I appreciate the opportunity to speak tonight. Um, it's hard act to follow this morning. We had a great lesson this morning. Uh, I had a late, great le- lesson last Sunday, but I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Tonight, I'm going to be stepping on some toes. Most importantly, I'm going to be stepping on my toes. Uh, my lesson is about something that I feel that I need to work on. Um, and hopefully, if, uh, if it's beneficial to you, then I'm grateful for that. But this is a study that I felt like I needed personally. Tonight, we're going to study about the heart of compassion. The heart of compassion. Plato once said, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a harder battle. The truth is you never know what someone else is going through. We see folks day to day, we see their faces, and a lot of times folks are bashful about sharing their troubles. They're embarrassed about their struggles, or they may be too proud to let others know the struggles they're going through. Some folks don't want to be a burden, and others just don't know how to communicate their struggles to us. And yet, as Christians, we have an obligation to help one another bear one another's burdens. Often when we see someone suffering, we use words like empathy, pity, and compassion to discuss our our feelings for this person's suffering. These words are used to describe uh, the feelings that the person has, but in truth, these words are not the same. Empathy and pity are used to describe the emotions, but compassion describes so much more. Compassion is defined as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. Compassion is not just an emotion, but it is accompanied with a call to action. In Latin, compati means suffer with. So compassion means that someone else's heartbreak becomes my heartbreak, that another's suffering becomes my suffering. In fact, true compassion changes the way we live our lives. As Christians, we serve a compassionate God, as evidenced throughout Scripture. First off, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. And the Scriptures I'm going to be reading tonight, mercy and compassion, by the way, are interchangeable in the translations. So the translation I'm reading uses the word compassion. You may see mercy in the King James Version. (coughs) We read, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Notice that the Lord longs to be compassionate or to be gracious. Next, look at Isaiah 49, verse 13, where it says, Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Here we see that God comforts his people. In Psalm 86, 15, we read, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then lastly, in Psalm 103, verse 13, we read, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So we see that God has the compassion of a father. We also see that we have a compassionate Savior. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, we read, 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, we read, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then in Mark 6, verse 34, we read Mark's account. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Not only do we serve a compassionate God, not only do we have a compassionate Savior, but we are commanded in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, to clothe ourselves with compassion. And that verse reads, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul writes to the Ephesians and tells them, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. And then also in 1 Peter 3, verse 8, we read, Finally, all you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. So tonight I ask us if compassion plays such a large part in the nature of God, if it plays such a large part in the nature of Christ, and it plays such a large part in the character that God expects us to have as Christians, why do we see so little of it in the world? I believe that many in the world empathize and have pity, but they either choose not to have compassion or they lack the understanding of compassion. I recently heard a personal definition of compassion that I believe exposes the very heart of compassion. So for the next few minutes, I'd like to examine this definition with you. (coughs) First off, the heart of compassion notices the suffering of others. It notices just as God did. If you look at James chapter 5 verse 11, you'll read, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. If you recall in the story of Job, God did not desert Job. God allowed Satan to tempt Job, but God did not desert Job. In fact, God was noticing all the things that Satan was doing to Job. And in the end, he blessed Job far more than what Job had before Satan started tempting him. So I ask us this question. Are we paying attention to those that we love? Are we paying enough attention to notice that they're suffering? I would say if we pay closer attention, we'll find that there are those that we love that are suffering right now. Also, in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7, it talks about God noticing the suffering of others. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. If you recall, God had compassion on Israel many times, even when they caused their own suffering. There were times where they murmured against God, and he punished them, 
But he had compassion on them. And he eventually alleviated their suffering. His love compelled him to do good things for them. So I ask, do we withhold compassion because the person's suffering caused their own suffering? Do we have the attitude of, you made your bed, now lie in it? Or do we notice that suffering? We also should notice suffering as Christ did. <coughs> Matthew 20, verses 30 through 34. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called to them, What do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, they answered, We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes immediately they received their sight and followed him <coughs> excuse me notice that in the midst of the crowd Christ heard their cries and he stopped and called to them are we listening for the cries of those who are suffering or are we deaf to the sound of suffering like one who ignores the voice of a homeless person on the street Next, in Luke chapter 7, verses 12 through 15, we read, As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Christ saw the widow, and notice what it says, his heart went out to her. Do we see suffering and just walk on as if we didn't see it at all, is the question I would ask us. We also need to notice suffering as the early church did. In Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, we read, And all who believed were together. And had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They looked for the need. As you recall, this was after the day of Pentecost, after Peter's sermon, after 3,000 had joined the church or been added to the church by the Lord. Excuse me for that. Um, the 3,000 had been added. And scripture tells us they came from all nations across the earth. And they wanted to stay there and learn more from the apostles about the gospel of Christ. Many of them, I'm sure, only came with a few days' supplies because they thought they were coming to the Pentecost feast and going home. And yet their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem noticed their need and supplied. Secondly, the heart of compassion hurts for the suffering of others. We know from Psalm 103:13 that God's compassion is as a father. Therefore he hurts when he sees his children suffering. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1:3 calls God the father of pities. This shows us that there is no suffering which he does not bear with us. We also know that Christ suffered with the suffering in John 11, verse 35, after Lazarus' funeral, 
we see that Jesus wept out of compassion for the family of Lazarus. In Luke 19, verse 41, as he came into the city of Jerusalem, it says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. You see, Christ was not immune to the knowledge of the coming tribulation and trials that would come upon the destruction of Jerusalem. And he had compassion and hurt for those that he knew were going to be hurting. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we read earlier that he is a high priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses. So let me ask this, what about us? Do we suffer with the suffering? When we notice someone hurting, does it hurt us? What about when we see a brother suffering in sin? Do we hurt with him? Do we hurt for him? Remember that the Lord hurt with Israel even when they were sinning against him. Thirdly, the heart of compassion takes action on the suffering of others. The heart of compassion takes action on the suffering of others. Just as God took action when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. If you'll recall, they were in bondage for 420 years. And he had promised Abraham 420 years earlier that he would deliver them. He had compassion on them. It hurt them, him to know that they were suffering under Pharaoh's rule. He had compassion on them when he led them in the wilderness. If you look at Isaiah 49 verse 10, it speaks about this. It says, They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. And if you think back to what we know of the books of history, of what Israel went through in the wandering, we know that God provided for them shelter. He provided for them water. He provided for them food. We know that God has compassion on all mankind. Psalm chapter 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Think about that last phrase. He has compassion on all he has made. That doesn't leave a single living creature out. Not just mankind, but he has compassion on the birds, the trees. All of his creation, God suffers with it when it endures suffering. We also need to take action as Christ took action. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, we read it earlier, but we'll read it again. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He took action. When he realized that there were those among the large crowd that had diseases, that had injuries, that had other medical conditions. It hurt him to see them like that, and he healed them. He took action. Also in Mark chapter 6, verses 34, when Mark's, Mark's account, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He realized that they were without a leader. And they, because of that, they were without understanding of what they needed to do for eternal life. And so he began to teach them. He took action. He didn't just walk on by when he realized there was someone there 
who needed to know about eternal life. (coughs) So let's bring it down to our level. We should take action as well. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we read, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In Romans 12, verse 15, we read, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Now I want to end this last point with one of the best examples of taking action found anywhere in Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. And we'll start in verse 30. (coughs) Starting in verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Notice what comes next. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. (coughs) We see the Samaritan not only noticed the suffering, but he hurt for the man enough to take action. In fact, he sacrificed not only his time, but he sacrificed his money to show his compassion for this man. In conclusion, I want to encourage each of us to use this definition of compassion, to notice the suffering of others, to hurt for those who are hurting, and to allow that hurt to motivate us to try to alleviate that suffering. I hope you appreciate this definition of the heart of compassion. In conclusion, I want to point out the ultimate act of compassion. You see it all the time at sporting events, on signs, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should have eternal should not perish but have eternal life. That is the ultimate act of compassion. God loved us and knew we would suffer when sin entered the, the world. And he realized that only he could alleviate our suffering and he had a plan for it. Tonight, maybe you're in this auditorium and you're in need of compassion this evening. Maybe you're suffering in sin and you need God to alleviate your suffering through forgiveness. If you've never been baptized, he's waiting to have mercy on you and to welcome you as a father and show you a father's compassion. If you're an erring Christian suffering in in some way tonight, he's waiting with open arms to help alleviate your suffering as well. Remember the story of the prodigal son and the welcome home that he received from from his father. He wasn't relegated to servanthood. He was brought back in at his same stature, was given a a robe and a ring, and was shown love and compassion. Either way, God loves you and he wants you to come home. So tonight, if you have a need of compassion, I can tell you where compassion can be found. Compassion and love can be found at the cross.
It's waiting for you. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing?